Hey, Mac, when does deer season start? Well, if you want the best deer herd possible, Lanny, you need to start right now. Right now. That's, That's why right. we're starting our promotion. I mean, we've got a deer season starts now promotion on plantbiologic.com where you can pick up our Game Changer soybeans, our forage soybeans, and our spring protein peas. While you're there, you might as well go ahead and pick up some brassicas like our final forage and winter bowls. Yeah, stock up for the cool season planting right now. Listeners to the GK Podcast, if you use coupon code GKPOD, you can save an additional 10% off our entire selection of warm season, cool season, and clover food plot seed. Get started today and visit plantbiologic.com for an unforgettable fall. I am Jeff Foxworthy, and welcome to Gamekeeper Podcast. If you want to learn more about farming for wildlife and habitat management, then, buddy, you are in the right place. Join the Gamekeeper crew direct from Mossy Oak Land Enhancement Studio as they discuss the latest wildlife and habitat management practices, news, and, of course, hunting. There's no telling what you'll learn, but I'm going to tell you, I bet it's interesting. Enjoy. Hi, welcome, everybody, back to the Gamekeepers uh, podcast here, and we're in the mole hole in the heart and soul of the building. Studio. Yeah, yeah. And today we've got uh, Austin Delano sitting in with us. Delano. Yeah, it's a a great day. So we got Austin over here on my right. I'm Bobby Cole right here, kind of in the center. We got Lanny Wallace across the table sitting there. We got Dudley Phelps over here to my left. And our producer, Jason Cleveland, is... Sitting on a stool over there in the corner. so Perched up there like a turkey. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, today's going to be a fun show. We've got uh, David Lindsay will, will be calling in, and we can talk to him about. He's killed, killed a couple couple good deer. Yes, two huge deer. And so. something about it was um, two of the largest deer he's ever taken in Georgia. You know, was it a week? I or think 10 that's days right. Or yeah. yeah. Like that. After like, what, four and a half decades of hunting yeah. the same well, area. Well, it came together twice. <laughs> the one story about this one deer that was nine and a half years old, I, I can't wait to hear that. I've just heard little bits and pieces of it. So, But he's been keeping up with him that long. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, so, speak, they personify gamekeeping. They the whole do. family. They really yeah. do. Yeah, You're right, it, the, the whole family. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Miss the whole Wanda. Deal. And saying a deer is nine years old and then having proof that he's nine years old is two totally different things. Yeah. Like, and they've got it with the sheds. They do. And I don't ever find that many sheds. Do y'all find a lot of sheds? I don't I know. know. I think all the squirrels eat them around yeah. here. Which is so <laughs> thick. Uh, Let me tell you where I find them. In my tires. Yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah. Run over them. Tractor, yeah. truck, four-wheeler. That's not good. The only way, uh, consistent place we found them is thickets in you know, Gainesville. Used to walk. You know, the big contiguous tracks we would find, um, like Portland. Mm-hmm. You'd get on those deer trails and just walk for, and till you came out of the other side and find them. But not like they do in the Midwest, that's for sure. I'm one of the rare people that would rather just turkey hunt or something than walk around looking for sheds mm-hmm. I'm, if i see one that's cool right otherwise i got stuff to do you know we, we <laughs> uh we should plan a podcast in the future about because there are some people that rig up little traps to try to knock off antlers in the in the spring of the year and you know we can discuss that whether or not that's a smart thing to do or because you don't want a buck to get hung up in something but yeah but An I, antler trap of sorts yeah you know there was a guy in jackson tennessee that sent us some pictures of one one time and basically it's just a roll of wire around you know near some feed mm-hmm. and then while the deer's feeding he's he Bumps gets his antlers hung in there yeah 
the consensus so, from several people that I've talked to said that was a no no. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. when they're if they're not ready to come off, it could be a problem. You hung up. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my big, my most prized possessions is uh, a set of shed antlers that I found in Alabama, though. Although I don't look for them much, um, but they did come from Portland, and they were both sides. Yeah, both sides, and he's. Over 160. Oh, oh my wow. God. Now, where are these? I hadn't seen these. Yeah. I'll bring them next week. These aren't at the office. You've got them at home. No, they're, that's not, yeah. They're in the safe. No. I mean, they're over there by the megalodon tooth. Megalodon tooth. Isn't that what the big fish, big, 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 big shark is? Yeah. 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 That's exactly a couple artifacts. There's been a few of them found in Alabama. Yeah. So, look, what about lunch today? That was incredible. Man, I love elk meat. <laughs> so what was the what was it called? It was some it, kind of Mexican something. Well, it was. It started out saying, "Hey, Mandy, go get some taco seasoning and some shells, and mm-hmm. let's make elk tacos." And he mm-hmm. comes back with thirty avocados and Limes, fourteen and brand romaine. new brand new things of seasoning and you know, Vandy. He, he did it up. He, is he doesn't just point. he doesn't just barely do it. No, lunch is his game. It really is. It really is. Yeah, he's the good CEO. at lunch. You Did feel you, nutritionally complete after elk meat. You really do. It's, it's amazing. It is a whole different level, especially from a, a, a white tail eater. That was um, a lot of protein for lunch, wasn't it? Yeah, that's what it's all about, mm-hmm. Bobby. Good fats with the avocados. Mm-hmm. Had some beans. Hmm. Mm. Well, Leftovers tomorrow. And we did run down the road to the Mexican restaurant and pick up a big old thing of salsa. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> well, elk hey, season speak- is in full swing. That's right. Yeah. That's and so right. when do you leave? A week. Well, I'll leave a week from tomorrow. So I'm pretty pumped up. I've been running around here trying to get all my stuff lined up. You feel pretty confident? <sighs> you know, I don't want to. I, I just want to enjoy the hunt. I what are you looking for? What are your expectations? You know, I'm a, I'm a meat guy. I mean, we don't have to, you know. I'm, I'm, my expectation is hopefully I'll bring home some meat. So are you potentially, I mean, a, a cow would make you happy? I don't think I can shoot a cow with a tag I have, unfortunately. So... Hmm. I guess it's all bull. So you, you just you're looking for something to bring home that's got 700 pounds of meat. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, of course, it's about the experience too. I was lucky enough to go out there last year and just get a little taste. I never thought, you know, you think it's a, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity if you ask me. And so we actually had a, believe it or not, a, a landowner tag that was available last year at the last minute that I got lucky enough to jump on. Hmm. So, but then we put in the draw this year and actually got drawn. So. I'll get to hunt uh, bull elk in New Mexico. Don't say the unit. Don't worry. <laughs> two years in a row. Should have bought so, a lottery ticket drawing yeah, two years in a row. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that's exciting. Well, well, the first year was a landowner tag. That's true. Yeah. Still. That somebody else paid for, so. <laughs> well, then. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Even better. Deer season comes in here in Mississippi here. This week? It uh Comes in October first. Yeah, everybody's been, uh, come, that, you know, Duddy's been back there, back there with the recurve, tuning her down. Oh yeah, everybody's yeah. walking around with their bows. It opens uh, tomorrow, y'all. Boom! Golly, yeah, yeah, and yeah. parts of Alabama for the first time ever. Is that right? Mm-hmm. So on October first, mm-hmm. mm, so not realizing what day it was, I was telling, I sent a text to everybody saying, "Hey, let's set up a range and uh, shot in our rifles at lunch this week." And then be done with it and not have to worry about that right. later on, you know. And, I, of course, I, I included Toxie in the text string. And he was like, you do know it's but Boatsy's going to start in a couple of days. And I'm like, well, I, I, you know, yes, I do. But it, I also want to need to just well, check rifles. 
he reminisces about those days we used to bow hunt so much because we did. You know, I don't know whether it's the faster pace of things. That everything We're just else, so busy. Just time, man. Man. It yeah, really is busy. The, right now, the phones are going crazy. It yeah. is crazy. Yeah. So, anyway. Tis, tis the gamekeeper's time of year. It is. So, speaking of phones, do y'all want to, uh, let's go ahead and call Mr. David and get that started? Yeah. yeah. I told him we'd call him about 3 o'clock, and we're, we're closing in on 3 o'clock. So, why don't we do this? Why don't we pay some bills, run some commercials, and then uh, producer Cleveland can get Mr. David on the phone. The Gamekeeper Magazine is our life outdoors on paper. We love Gamekeeper's Magazine. It's full of great information, full of ideas on how to make the habitat better. From plots to trees to whitetails and waterfowl. It's total farm management. There's so much information in Gamekeeper's, especially when it comes to managing your property. You can't go wrong if you want to improve your habitat for wildlife. Pick up our Gamekeeper's Magazine. Gamekeeper's, the journal of wildlife stewardship. Mr. David. Hey. Hey, this is Bobby Cole, and I got Lanny and Dudley, and Austin's actually here with us today, and we just wanted to talk to you a little bit. Hey, David. Oh, you got quite a, you got quite a group there. <laughs> we got the whole B team here. That's right. That sounds like the A team to me. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, we don't. We just don't boast a whole lot around here. <laughs> We always we always have fun. So did you just get back? Did you just get back from elk hunting? I actually I just got back from elk guiding. (laughs) But yes. I I was hunting too, but I was uh, guiding my wife on her hunt, so we had a lot of fun. So you were actually just a pack mule. That's exactly what I was, sir. You're exactly that's, uh, that's what they, they actually call me. That. <laughs> wow. Well, did Miss Wanda have any luck? Oh yeah, she got her an elk. That's, that's what I'm talking that's about. Awesome. Yeah, Dudley's yeah. been talking about it her sure elk did. lasagna. That's all I've been hearing about today is Miss Wanda's elk lasagna. Yeah, when I came to visit you guys in Georgia three or four years ago, uh, she cooked this elk lasagna that I still think about to this day. It was hard. Oh to yeah, beat. yeah. She's good cook. <laughs> Dudley's over here. Just he's almost like he's got tears in his eyes. <laughs> I want, I want some of this elk lasagna. He's been talking about it so much. So well, before we get off, it like I need to bring up, uh, and Lanny knows all about it. But with gamekeepers now, we have this new uh, th- thing called gamekeeper meats. Yes, yeah, gamekeeper butchery actually. Yeah, but the web address is gamekeepermeats.com. So a, a guy can order. Oh. Yeah, it's a really interesting story, um, but uh, it's all about providing uh, farm-raised wild game to deliver to your door, basically. You know, it's you can't buy you know, deer, meat, and venison, but there's a uh, – you obviously, like biologic, a lot of farm-raised venison comes from New Zealand. So we just wanted to make, a, make it available to consumers out there. So, yeah, we're just getting started. So excited about that. Gamekeeper Butchery. That's awesome. Yeah, it's going by. Yeah. What, what's the website again? Uh, gamekeepermeats.com. We had a lot of fun wow. sampling all of that stuff mm-hmm. and trying to, trying to decide what we were going to carry. And oh. Yeah, Mr. David, I've never had stobalt deer meat before, but i got to tell you, it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, they probably feed them the best they can feed them there, but like in my deer. 
Yeah, it's a whole other story about that, and I don't, we don't have time to go into it. We need to get in there because it ties directly into biologic and uh, everything there, but it's a kind of a – we just hit the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, we'll right? just have to do a whole show about this. Yeah, so We'll idea. put that on the radar. Right. On the radar. Well, look here, Mr. David, we'd love for you to – we're so impressed with what you guys do and how you do it, and uh, – I'd love to get you to talk about these two deer that you killed in the last couple of weeks there in Georgia, especially Mr. Mumbles, and just kind of tell us a little bit about that. All right. Well, I'll do my best to try to give you as much detail as I can about it. And, um, well, you know, we all we always start off hunting our hunting season in Georgia because that's the first season that always opens down south. And uh, we have a farm down there that I bought back in uh, 1999. It was a uh, a uh, piece of land that I'd always dreamed of having, you know, in your mind. And it just worked out that I was able to buy it. And when I bought it, you know, I, back then we were reading magazines, just doing whatever. This is really for a whole lot of this stuff about, I guess, food plot, doing the things that attract deer. Uh, it was out there, but it wasn't much. And, you know, you just, every book you could read and, Somehow or another, I got on to, uh, to, uh, planting trees, you know, and basically that farm is a, it's, it's a pine tree farm, you know, we grow pine tree on it. Um, we have some farmland on it, but basically more that we do. I've had some farmers that farmed it in the past, back in the early 2000s, but since then we kind of just done it ourselves. And, uh, we always start out in Georgia and we try to hunt that first week and, you know how all these boys in the South are. I mean, it's hot as all get out, but it won't keep you out of tree come first season. I mean, it's just when you wait all year for it, you're going to climb that tree if it's 90 degrees. And, uh, just the way, way we were raised, you know, and we complain about the mosquitoes and the heat and everything that goes with it, but we still just sit there. Mm-hmm. But this year, well, I could go back to last year. As y'all know, last year we hunted that first week in Georgia and it was in the nineties. And, uh, you know, um, you're lucky to see a good buck. If you can catch him, you know, in a certain spot or whatever, you can do good, you know, but we built this lake on our farm probably about 15 years ago, about 12 years ago, about a 20 acre lake. And from the crop fields, when the deer go to bed, they have to funnel around that lake unless they bed close to the food, you know. So Jeff and I have learned that we kind of set some stands up in the in the areas where we can hunt. Cause we always have a east wind that first week, just that with the heat and all, it just seems to blow from out east. So we've got a couple of morning spots that we can slip into while the deer still out in the fields, and hopefully catch them coming through those funnels back to their beds in the morning and. That's pretty much what happened to me opening morning. Um, I was in my, my favorite tree, you know, that I have on the farm. And uh, this deer actually come from the north. And I think he caught wind of Jeff on the hill hmm. where Jeff hunts high. And I hunt down by the by the lake. And the deer come down kind of like in a little bit of a run. And I could, I could see, you know, trying to get my binoculars on him and see him. He was still in velvet and all. And. He come running by, and I stopped him probably about 30 yards or so. And luckily, I just, thank the good Lord, made a, made a good shot on him. He ran off, and we heard him crash. And 
Jeff, who was up on the hill, he could actually hear him crash too because he was only a few hundred yards. You know, we just try to cover this one area up there. So, man, I I was just blessed that that deer come by me that morning and opening morning success. It don't happen often, but it it was nice when it did. You know. Yeah, that's always good. <laughs> well, looking at the pictures, it looked like it may have rained on y'all right there at the time uh, when all that action occurred. Well, I shot the deer, and we heard him go over there thrashing, and uh, we knew it was close, but you know how it is. It's just so thick. We, went, we got down, we started looking for him, and we couldn't find but a little bit of blood, and the bottom fell out, and it rained for about... 15 minutes just poured on us. Mm. But we knew he was there because we heard him crash, you know. So we were soaking wet. And we went over there and we finally, you know, we couldn't find no bud because the rain had washed it away. But we mm. found him amongst some trees and they're just all tangled up. He had tore about half his velvet off, but oh, wow. he was still pretty. He is a beautiful mm-hmm. deer. He sure is. Well, that that's so that's just half of the story. Right. I mean, that's just part A Uno. To, uh, to an unbelievable story. And so the next week, what, tell, tell, we want to hear about uh, the 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 story of Mister Mumbles and and how you know that he's how you've been had so many encounters with him without seeing him. Well, I mean, you know, I could tell his story real short because you know the deer had been on our farm up until last year when we figured he was eight and a half assuming that we do have the shed from him at three and a half up to. Last year, we had one side that would have been eight and a half. And we, of our knowledge, had never seen the deer. You know, we'll hunt that first week or two in Georgia. If we're lucky, we might get to come back and hunt that week of Thanksgiving or a week in December or something. But he's pretty much had just avoided us. And last year, it was real hot. Like I was saying, up in the 90s, one morning, we, Kyle and I caught a glimpse of him. And uh, that's the first time we had ever saw the deer. And he had, last year, you know, he'd kind of been going downhill. Last year, he had a drop time on one side. And I was lucky enough on January when I was down on the farm, this past January, I picked up one side of the shed, and it was really weird. It it just shaped weird and everything about it. And I just thought, man, he's not going to be nothing next year. And Jeff and I, neither one of us had really focused on just trying to kill that deer and hunting him until that last year. When, he, when I got that, had that one encounter with him at 60 yards, one morning, I just seen him just for a second. So this year, he had kind of disappeared, and we hadn't had no pictures of him. Jeff says, you know what? I'm afraid that deer's dead. He said, I hadn't had a picture of him in three weeks. And he had been hitting the feeder a lot. And then, um, well, we got to talking about it and said, well, maybe he's moved. So we started, you know, thinking about where he could have moved and, I've got a bunch of sawtooth trees that I planted at different, in different areas in different times of the year. And so Jeff was hunting one afternoon and he looked behind him and he saw some deer in one of the, the little, uh, pods that I had planted. And he said, we, we might need to run a camera over there. So they went over and put a camera. We went over there and put a camera on it. And next morning they had, we had a picture of him. So we knew he was coming up there mm-hmm. rather than where I'd been hunting him the year before. So we went in there and uh, we got a picture of him the next morning. Um, that hurricane was it Sally? 
It was. Mm-hmm. He Dang just blowed, Sally just blowed through, and the morning that she was finishing up, we did not hunt. And if we'd have hunted that morning, we probably wouldn't have been right there, but uh, we had pictures of him in daylight. So we knew where we found the shed. We knew where we thought he was bedding at. And so basically, we put a couple more cameras out, and we had some persimmon trees. And um, we went back, and we had our, our Spartan cameras out there. So we got a picture of him at 6.30 at the persimmon, and he was over to Sawtooth, you know, a little bit later. No, that was the morning before. So we found we knew he was over at the persimmons that night. So basically, Jeff's got a stand right there at the persimmon trees, and we hunted it um, that evening. And we got a glimpse of him. And Kyle wasn't able to film him much because the way that stand sits up and the roll in the in the property of the field, I could see him come out. I said, Kyle, that's him. I know it was him. But, I mean, I only had a few seconds to get my binoculars on him. And he stayed in that hole right there until dark. We didn't see him no more. And then the next, that night or the next morning, we had a picture of him at 5. I said, well, he'll be back there. So we went back the next afternoon and, we, that was only the second time we'd ever seen that deer. And so wow. we were sitting there tonight. Um, I want to say it was like a Thursday afternoon or something. And and I looked down there and Kyle said, I see a deer out in that field. And I looked out there to look at a deer. And I saw Mr. Mumbles walk through an opening. Hmm. And I was like, he was on his feet at 635. I was like, oh, this might be good right here. And so, because we knew he was on his feet, he loved those sawtooths and he loved those persimmons. And uh, I kept looking for him. And I had this coyote come up. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen a coyote get around a persimmon tree and eat the persimmon. Mm -hmm. But for about 15 minutes, and I tell you, I was so tempted to shoot him. But I was like, (laughs) (laughs) I said, here I am. I'm I'm 200 yards from a deer that I ain't seen but two times. I'm not going to take a chance shooting a coyote because I didn't know which way he might run or what might happen, you know. And so I said, I'll get him another day. And we were sitting there about 45 minutes later. I could tell the does, though, was kind of moving around in that area next to those soft tooths. So I was hoping that he might come out and do what they did. And, of course, I had deer behind me, and I was just praying. I done sprayed those jammer all over the whole tree trying to keep them from smelling me. Um. I looked up there, man, and he cut that. He didn't come straight across that field, but he cut the corner off, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he, and and this is really, to me, you know, because I, like I like to keep in my mind high deer. They don't, like the deer I killed opening day, he smelled Jeff, he'd come by. This deer was in his natural, he was in his natural state. And for me to watch that deer come through there at his stop, you know, and he'd put his nose up, he'd look around, and, and, and you'll get to see all that on the video, because Kyle, he did a great job videoing it, and the deer looked so good coming in there, and he'd stopped so many times, I mean, he was just taste, t- testing the patient, you know, it was just, there was so much drama right there, just an excitement, and I was like, man, it looks like we might get a shot at him, you know, to cut that corner that fell off, he'd take a few steps and stop and take a few steps and he'd be behind a tree and you could see him turn his head. You didn't know what was going on because you got all these does around you and they'll bust out and not knowing where that coyote went and all. So 
fortunately for me, he came on in and he got around the base of that persimmon tree. He started to turn one time for some reason, but then he turned back. And of course, I was talking to myself and asking the good Lord, please just, you know, help me hold it together long enough to get a get an arrow where it needed to go. And I don't know. I guess I probably talked to myself more over that deer than I have most deer that I see. It was it was it was almost exciting being in the blind with with Bobby and Iowa this past year. <laughs> 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 now, that, was a, oh, that was exciting. Uh, we waiting on Her- Hercules to get back to the office. Yeah, he, I hear you. He's almost ready, I think. But it, oh, is he really? Well, that'd be cool. Send me a picture if you will. When you get him, I'd love to see him. Well, that's a great story. Man. That is an amazing story. It's amazing. In yeah. the south, you seem like, you know, the big deer that are killed early just seem to be around those persimmons there. Yep. Dudley. Pretty magic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but, how- yeah, and, and, you know, I, I made a good shot on him, and he ran through a thicket and heard him crashing. I'm like, man, he's going to break him drop tons off. And <laughs> he ran into a little field, little field behind us, you know, and I seen him laying there, but. I wasn't really to celebrate just right yet. I wanted to make sure he was dead, you know. But Yeah, got your hands on him. How so, far was the shot? It was probably about 30, probably 30, 32 yards, that same wow. shot distance I had on that other buck. How about that? And I, my grandson, do what? Go ahead, sorry. No, you wouldn't have missed it. So my grandson... Uh, Jackson, he loves and, and Cash too. You know, Jackson's a little bit older. He's nine. He didn't want me to take him up go hunting with me. And I was like, buddy, I can't put you in that tree, you know. And so I told him, I said, if I kill him, uh, I'm gonna call you. And I want you to come over here. Okay? His mama had wanted him to take a bath or something that night. He said, Mama, I can't take a bath. I'm going to help Papa track this deer. <laughs> so it just kind of worked out. Yeah, Everybody awesome. got to come down there, and we all tracked the deer together. And, we just celebrated after that. That's awesome. I bet so. It really, you know, that's that's one thing that about them and their family and the the TV show uh, exposes that. But that's who they are. And yeah. they're not putting that. They're not doing that for the cameras. They that they're a close family. They do everything mm-hmm. together. And uh, those kids are just knee deep involved in all that stuff. And yeah. it is. It's I, authentic. It it is authentic. That's the best word. Good word. Yeah, one of the best Mossy Oak ambassadors we have, no doubt about it. David, what was it like <clears throat> sitting in that tree with a history that long with a deer mm-hmm. that was, for the most part, a ghost? Because I followed deer like that, that that drive you crazy. Getting pictures of them is not always that hard, and then when they disappear, you can come up with nine. Well, worry about just, them. Yeah, what just happened to them? You know? And then all of a sudden see them on the hoof. It's just like uh, the deer actually exists. It's not just something that shows up at three o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Well, raise your hand. How many and, and nine and a half year old deer have you ever seen? None. Yeah, and, none. And, you know, <laughs> they're wild deer. I mean, he could have been 10 and a half. He could have been eight and a half. And, you know, we don't know when they're free range deer, how old they really are. That's just kind of our guesstimate. But, for me to see him that second time and then the next night see him for the third time ever, I don't know. Jeff, it's like this, Jeffrey says, you know what? He said, they're slaves to their stomach. And when that food's out there, they're coming for it. Mm-hmm. And you just got to be able to catch them in that time. And one thing I mentioned in that story was is that I was hunting out of Jeff's stand. 
you know, there Jeff, you go. he killed. <laughs> <laughs> and he had killed two deer out of that stand, two really good bucks off that farm out of that stand. And he could have very well been the one that had been there in that stand and shot that deer, but he wouldn't do it. He told me, he said, go get in that stand right there. He said, he's going to come back there. You know, so Jeff's a very unselfish person. I mean, he'll put everybody else first before he will himself. Well, you one, know, and one of the things I find so interesting and compelling about deer that old is your chances of killing him are, are really slim to begin with. Mm-hmm. But when you talk about trying to kill him with archery equipment in the early season, if you add it up, all the minutes throughout the actual season that that deer is legally killable, that he presents himself in the daylight, whether it be a food plot under persimmetry, it's small. It's mm-hmm. tiny. It's really small. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's probably some glimpses in the rut where he makes a few mistakes, but there's always a few spots yeah. out there in the early season where mm-hmm. they haven't been pressured. Got the they're radar still, down. Yeah, they're, mm-hmm. they're still kind of relaxed. And, man, it's tough to slip in there and what – Maybe it's 20 minutes this day. The next day, maybe it's two minutes because you think you've got them patterned and all of a sudden you get a picture and it's like, oh, he's nocturnal. <laughs> yeah, I think they get a smell. And, I mean, they know you're in there. It's just man, so you know? quick. Yeah, and, you know, it, the one thing that's helped us a lot, too, over the last few years, now in Georgia, you can put out feed. You can hunt over if you want to. We don't really like to go out there and pour out a pile and just hunt over and stuff like that, but we will put it out there in our feeders. How do y'all's food plots but, look this year over there in Georgia? You know, um, we planted about three food plots, Bobby, early on. Um, they really, because uh, with all that rain from Sally and all, they've really done good. And, you know, we've been able to shoot some does over this deer particularly, I didn't have a food plot in that area. He'd have been on it, I'm sure, you know, but it didn't work just right as far as um, his area. But those acorn trees is what he's loving. He was hitting them and then persimmon. It's interesting, that part of Georgia, the the rut is what? Is it is it in October? Mm-hmm. Well, no, for us, it's really... In Georgia, it hits about almost like it does in the Midwest. That first, that first week of November up to about Thanksgiving, it's really, it's wide open. Okay. Of course, we're never there then. You know, we're we're somewhere in Illinois or Kansas or Iowa or something. Well, Bobby will come over there and take care of the place for you. I mean, he ain't got no problem. Yeah. He's a hey, good dude. I wish somebody would come, <laughs> yeah. come over here and shoot some does, too. Well, we could do that. He's we good need, for that. We need some meat, for sure. We sure could. Yeah, I, need, I need somebody to come over do what? No, we were just we were just all cutting up about we, we'd, we'd love to come do a meat hunt or something at some point. I can tell you all this, though, that uh, I, I had so much fun hunting with them. And I, I bet so. And, and the, to, but to see the family all together, and they're the real McCoys. They, mm-hmm. they are, uh, and they have so much fun. And those kids, he's going to have his hands full of those little mm-hmm. boys and little girls get older. Yep. That's when the fun oh, yeah. really begins. Because then you got to do it all yeah, over again. Yeah, you know, <laughs> anytime you guys want to get together and come hunting, you just let me know. We'll make time. I'd, I'd love to spend some time with y'all a weekend or a few days during the week or whatever. Y'all can get away. I know it's tough for y'all, but, man, we would love it. Well, we, we appreciate we that. Sure and, and, look, we really appreciate what y'all do for our, our brand. Uh that for with gamekeepers and biologic and native nurseries, it's, it's really important to what we do. And 
we I get a kick out of you guys because I really appreciate the fact that that uh, every Sunday morning when I click on Instagram, there's going to be a Lindsay Way post mm-hmm. with a Bible verse on it, and I appreciate that you guys do that and and you and you stand up and uh, but and also on another note, I appreciate I get a kick out of seeing how much you guys enjoy wearing Bottomland because it. Uh, Oh, we do. It's kind of like a cult following. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it really is. I'm pretty sure Jeff's got more bottomland stuff than all of us. But it probably does. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so as y'all know, you know how Jeff, he, I mean, we all bottomland. I mean, we everybody bleeds all these different colors. We believe bottomland. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Oh, we, we know. know. <laughs> we know. Gator, Gator Waiter is coming out with this uh, um, this uh, duck box. Well, I mean, uh, it's a I don't think it's an ammunition box. It's more just like a bag in bottom land. And, I mean, Jeffrey, he's the first one to know all this stuff. I don't know how he knows it all. But, man, I got to get one of these bags. We were showing it to me the other day. But, you know, maybe maybe we could, if we do another podcast down the road, I can give you a little more information about my food plots in Georgia. You know, we really don't plant them till right about now. And uh, we've been on that elk hunt, so I really haven't been able to get my food plots in here yet so hopefully i'll get them in with the next couple of weeks but maybe i can have some better information on that they always do great down here the deer love them so oh that sounds good maybe i have some more information later well the you know the foxworthy crew they're not too terribly far from you glenn gets his in he always tries to get them in early and then larry burns on his farm he's i think he replanted about 10 days ago he it was hurricane sally washed away a lot of his stuff so you may have been well, it's been a blessing not to have planted already. Well, you know what gets us is uh, army worms. They'll usually hit ours if we do them before the 1st of October. I don't know why. It's just always been that way. They're a plague. Yeah, <laughs> and we've heard, I've heard more people talking about army worms this year than usual, and mm-hmm. it's it's always pretty common. It's always dangerous when you start seeing tropical depressions line up with fall planting yeah. because <laughs> they, I think they have a lot to do with pushing – the waves of army worms further north than they would generally be. Really? Hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you know, we got five inches of rain when Sally comes through in like a day and a half. I know you guys probably got it worse than that. No, you're north of it, weren't you? Yeah, and we, we, didn't, we didn't get anything. We didn't get anything out of Sally. Oh, gosh. And she hit uh, right there in between Dolphin Island and Fort Morgan and went northeast. The way the waves of that rain, the bands peeled up there, though, we got seven inches. Yeah. Because I've got some food plots that they're still a pond. Wow. They just completely mm. yep. flooded out. And you're in North Alabama. Mm-hmm. My question is, why can't all that rain just drown the army worms? Yeah. <laughs> I, don't know. I mean, I, I'll tell you. Anyway, did somebody say army worms? <laughs> <laughs> now, see, we never have them in Iowa. And so we planted our plots up there on August the 8th, from the 6th through the 8th. And, of course, Austin, he's been great about helping me with this. I've been back and forth. I know I probably wore him out. And I, I feel bad about it. Jeff wears him out, too. But, I mean, he's just got so much knowledge right there. And when you've got somebody like that and he, they're as nice as he is, he don't mind sharing his information with you. It's like, I mean, we didn't get no rain till the end of the month. And I was like, what do you think, Austin? You know, and it's like, well, the, it, it, it's like if you don't get any moisture on it, you're better off if that seed is set there for a little while and let that one good rain get it. So hopefully, you know, we got about four inches on the 28th and 29th of August and, uh, 
they seem to be doing pretty good. So you were right again, Austin. I appreciate the, the information you shared with me. Yeah. I, I never know if it's going to be right, but people like you make me look good when it does turn out that way. So I'll take it. I know y'all were sweating yeah, a little because it was bad, bad dry those Ooh. weeks. Yeah, it seems like I remember y'all having a truck good. or something driving around. Did y'all have a water truck riding it around? Oh, yeah, I remember point? that. That's dry. We did, but, man, if you – it's That's tough work. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it don't make much of an impact. I hate to say it. But no, we've done it too. You know. Yeah, there's an old fire truck behind our building. Yeah. We're trying to. Toxie wants to convert it into a water truck. I think. Yeah, so. we're gonna make it our when you look at the fertilizer. Yeah, when you look at the math and how much water you have to put out to equal even a half inch of rain. There's no like, way. Oh, this is. Yeah, you feel like you're really putting a lot of water out. It's but it just a drop in the bucket. David, I know when you called me. I know when you called me, y'all had blown the pump up on it, so it really wasn't even working right. So you were having typical uh, gamekeeper problems. Yeah, yeah. yeah. gamekeeper problems. Farm day. <laughs> no, that's exactly right. Gamekeeper problems. Mm. Well, look, problems to have. That's right. That's, you nailed it. Well, we've kept you long enough. We sure appreciate you uh, letting us call you and hear the story of Mr. Mumbles. Uh, how did he get that name, Mr. Mumbles? What is the story there? They don't let me name the deer. <laughs> they don't. They don't. They don't. They very seldom let me see any pictures. Okay. Well, that name- every now and then, I just have to slip around and kind of watch behind their back when they're looking at pictures on the computers and stuff. <laughs> And they definitely, every now and then, they'll let me name one. Usually the ones they let me name is not it's not named. Yeah. You know what there's, I mean? Because I can't come up with a clever name. Yeah. Old, old, so this year. Old 10 point. <laughs> well, I yeah, can, I mean, I always, I want to name them Leroy or something like that. You know, it's kind of well, one can, of my old things. I, I can tell you when y'all named Hercules, that was a good name because just the fact when somebody said, oh, there's Hercules, that was exciting. Oh, you was tore up, you, I you know. Kn- you knew that yeah. was going to be a big, muscular <laughs> specimen. You got that right. Uh, Mr. Mumbles kind of yeah. doesn't do that for me, though. He, that, that, I don't know. But if you look back at his sheds when they're laying, Jeffrey had, uh, where they're laying on that table, right between the uh, between the brow and the G1, uh, I mean the G2, uh, right there, it had a bunch of little bumps on the horns, like it could be at points in the future. You know how they'll just get bum, bumps mm-hmm. up on them and all. Mm-hmm. And he just he talked. That's how he got his name, Mister Mumbles. Mm-hmm. Had all them little bumps there. Did the, Did y'all have a name for the deer you killed? That was in velvet? No, actually, he had kind of blew up from last year and didn't really have a name on him. But he was showing you up under a sawtooth. Yeah. So. <laughs> you go. Call him Sawtooth. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a good one. Sawtooth and persimmon. That sounds yeah. like a native spot right here. Yeah, I bet you can call him Sausage right now. Yeah, that's right. There you go. Yeah. Anybody listening, we can help him out with some persimmon trees yeah, for sure. Sawtooth. Well, I hear you. Well, look. Good thing. They did pretty good. Oh, they they're, they do really well. They, they really do. Two of our number one sellers. Persimmon. Yeah, they are. Yeah, persimmon and awesome. Sawtooth, they are. We better go ahead and get my order in now. So I have to get me some trees this year before y'all sell out. Well, you should. They, they going quick. Call Dudley. <laughs> we can get you fixed up. We get for you sure. fixed up. Yeah. All right, Mister David. We sure appreciate you letting us call you and uh, congratulations. And, yes, and tell uh, Miss Wanda. Thank that, you. That we said uh, hello and congratulations on her elk, and just tell the rest of that uh, crew over there we said hello. I sure will. Hey, I, we really do appreciate all you do for us. 
what you guys stand for and all. If there's anything that we can do, y'all let us know. I'll pass the word around to everybody, too. Same here, Mr. David. All right. Thanks, Mr. David. All right. Thank you now. Right, yes, y'all. sir. So, everybody, if, you, if you're not following them on Instagram, I think it's the Lindsay Way. Mm-hmm. And then there's, uh, you'll see that Jeff has got a, a page and Mr. David's got a page. I, but the Lindsay Way is an awesome yeah, page to on, follow. And then they have that at the yeah, Outdoor, Outdoor Town, Town show. It's which, on Thursdays? You know what? I have it recorded, so yeah. I just watch it uh, at my convenience. But So I'm not really sure when it comes on, to be honest with you. But it's on the outdoor channel. We know that it is, yeah. And uh, then that that the story of Hercules aired a few weeks ago. It was. Oh, I bet you watched that one. I did watch that. That was a great deer. <laughs> what a great deer! Seven thirty Eastern Sunday night. Boom. Good yeah. outdoor house. channel. That's what I was going to say. I just didn't say yeah, it. So, well, look. Why don't we pay some bills and take a break, and we'll come back and hit some more of these topics. Do a little habit chat. There we go. Habit right. chat. <laughs> When I first bought this farm a short time ago, every single field was growing up with brush eight and 10 feet high. But it went from that to this. And even though I planted biologic with very little moisture in the ground, I was really amazed at the results. I just sat in this field with my wife as she shot her very first deer. We could not be happier. We made a memory that will last a lifetime. All because of the effectiveness of the best food plot seed on the market. Biologic is better seed, pure and simple. Log on to plantbiologic.com to learn more. Hey folks, it's Jeff Foxworthy. You know, when I was a kid, my dad bought back the farm that he had grown up on, and I absolutely loved that place. I knew every square inch of it. It truly was my favorite place on earth. And when you're looking to find a favorite place for you and your family, Mossy Oak Properties can help. Visit mossyoakproperties.com to begin your search today. All right, everybody, welcome back. That was uh, that was so interesting to listen to Mr. Lindsay talk about of all Mr. that. Mr. Mumbles. Yeah, yeah. That, you know the the thing to take away from that though is it, and persimmon the bug. The, yeah. the persimmons. <laughs> I think you guys were mentioning it during breaks, so, but it's about how every big deer you've heard of in the last in the South. I mean, if you hear of a big deer getting killed, especially in the velvet, it always seems like it's on persimmons. Remember that uh, Jimmy Riley. Jimmy Riley. Was that it? Giles Island? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Like 180-inch deer. Uh, John Tatum was there with him filming it. And then and, there's the uh, one giant that was killed in Mississippi. Um, one of the biggest is, was it last year? Two years ago. I don't know. Persimmons are, if you can find a, a good you know, persimmon tree, it's gold. That's and what your buddy so, old Tim Brooks killed a big old deer on a persimmon yeah, tree in the velvet. Mm-hmm. He killed a big deer? Yeah, one time. On Coreland on Colt Public. Now, huh. one thing about persimmons, <laughs> it's almost like a curse. You know, it seems like everybody in you know the South has them, yeah. but they're never in the right place. I mean, it. You yeah. hear uh, David Lindsay's story is great, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, I've got some really good ones, but they're like falling on top of the tractor shed. Or, <laughs> right, you know, it's, yeah. it's in a spot where the thermals are terrible, and you can't hunt them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Well, we got a way to put persimmons where you want them. We do. <laughs> yeah. How about yeah. That? We sure do. Persimmons, crab apples also are super attractive. Mm-hmm. And of course, he, you know, David I mentioned the sawtooth, which mm-hmm. is again one of the. Uh, I think having like two different things yeah. near each other is is a big deal. Kind of like a sweet tart, right? You know mm-hmm. that 
group of deer that comes in. Some of them may want the sawtooth, some of them, but since they're both there, that's where they're yeah. going to go. Mm-hmm. Well, so uh, this is about the time when we usually do the Ask Dudley questions, I think. So, uh, Jason, if you've got those questions, we can get started on that. Uh, yes. Uh, I have a group of young persimmon trees. Is there a way to tell the <laughs> Whoa! Di- what? Is there a way to tell the difference between male and female persimmons? Trees three to six foot tall. Well, yeah. Did we know David was going to talk about persimmon trees? <laughs> Actually, we didn't. But, Boom. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much impossible. Um, you <laughs> On have to the to, next question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've got to wait until they uh, are sexually mature before you can tell if it's a boy or a girl. So it's, it's got to be making flowers mm. before you can tell. Um, so that said – I have a wonderful video on the Native Nurseries YouTube page that teaches you how to graft trees. And I'm actually grafting persimmons. So you can plant your persimmons uh, or you can find them growing on your land. And then when they're still young, you can graft a female branch to them and it will be a female. So it's a sure thing. Um, so the answer is no, you have to wait until they start making fruit and are you know, flowering before you can tell if it's a boy or a girl. Um, the easiest thing to do is just graft it before it, you know, if you're in a hurry, just graft it. It's simple. Hmm. So good question. What is the next question? Uh, when y'all talk about prepping your sites ahead of time, what are you referring to? Digging holes, fertilizing, how far ahead? Okay, so this person's talking about planting trees, and uh, in some of my videos in the past, I've mentioned prepping them in advance. Um, So what I mean is uh, if you've got the time and and don't mind doing the work in advance, you can kind of pre-dig your hole and then backfill it with the same dirt, almost like you're making a tiny garden that you're going to plant your tree in. Um, and I like to leave it slightly mounded, and you you do that for oh at, at least a month before you plant your trees, uh, and it works really well with difficult soils like heavy clays that may stay waterlogged most of the winter. Uh, for the same reason that a farmer plants on top of a row, uh, you can make that little mound for your tree, and there'll be more aeration and all that good stuff for that first year of your tree, and they really jump that way. Um, Now, having said that, if you've got just this beautiful, well-drained, sandy loam that's simple to dig up, then you don't have to do all of that, Um, only if it's a a difficult soil. And you do it in advance and kind of let it mellow out and get nice and fluffy. You know, the first time you dig it, it's like you're digging up little softballs and uh, Mm -hmm. just chunks of dirt. And a tree needs that mellow soil for the roots to expand easily into. So that's why we do it. And I, I try to do it, if possible, two or three or four months in advance. Will you go ahead and put some organic matter in there too? Uh, you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't be putting pot and soil or anything like that in your hole. But if you've got some composted manure or a little compost, yeah, put that in there and it'll help it out. Fertilizer? You can fertilize it a little bit and, and even let some weeds grow in there because the roots will help 
break up those chunks of dirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when it's time to plant, you can spray that maybe with a little glyphosate a couple weeks before you plant. And then you have a garden-like spot to plant each of your trees. It's worth the extra time if you have it. And you're basically just trying to create an ideal environment for root growth. Especially the first two, three, four years of its life. It's like very small-scale subsoiling. Yep. Mm -hmm. And they got to get the roots established before they can go up. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, having said all of that, once again, if you've got a really easily workable soil like a sandy loam, there's no reason to do that. So if they go to the YouTube page, it's nat- they go to YouTube, they go to Native Nursery, and then look up, what are they, what, what's the uh, name? There's they one called search. How to Graft a Tree, and there's also how one on how, yeah. how to Prep Your Planting Site. Okay. He's got, that's a pretty widely viewed video. And, and they Maybe go, even <laughs> more than your deer hunting. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the persimmon, the grafting video is getting close to 2 million views. Yeah. Is that right? Proud yeah. of that. Yeah, well, that's How awesome. about that? So you're transgendering a tree. Yeah, more yeah. or less. Pretty much. How about that? We can do it all around here. All right, was there any more questions? That's it for now. That's, That's it. it. For this wow. Good questions. Well, we've had a good show. It's been interesting. Awesome. We've enjoyed having you here this week. Yeah. This to this day. You should well, come back. <laughs> I will try. All right. Yeah. It all, it's always fun to have. Austin that. lives a couple hours down the road and Thank does you. his Thank thing you, over there <laughs> up the road. Yeah. Well, it is up the road. Just a hair. You know. <laughs> I guess Austin was the. Uh, you'll have to say how many years you've been working for Biologic. That'll tell us when we met the very first time. <laughs> 20 years? 15 years at least. Let's well, not say 20. That's It's 15 for It's sure. 15-ish. Yeah. And I Austin, thought it was longer than that. Austin was about that big around when yes, I first he was. met him. He was a string bean, and now he looks like Hercules over there. Mr. Protein. Yeah, we go to shows. I always, I'm always glad to have Austin walking around with me. We go to restaurants and stuff. I don't, I don't have to worry about anybody. You were big back then. Well, since you're so <laughs> famous, all these, you know, yeah. all these people are trying to attack you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Early in this career, you didn't feel so threatened. He was no, kind of chubby, Bobby. Yeah, he was chunky, Bobby. Yeah, we call him. What was it? Melly Yellow and Honey Bun, Bobby. Yeah. Boy, I can I drink a Melly Yellow right I could now. Too. Oh my goodness. Hunting camp was was fun back then because Bobby didn't require a whole lot except sugar and starches. Yeah. <laughs> what do you want for breakfast, Bobby? How about biscuits and syrup? Mm, with <laughs> a melly yellow, a melly yellow. <laughs> you literally just finished a melly yellow and honey bun. Uh, that was now a, he's on the elk meat. We got him. We got him back. That was oh, a good ke- old day. keto Bobby. Keto Bobby. <laughs> Slim right, good body in the house. Well, uh, I guess that we've about touched on everything. We've had a good time today, and we hope everybody enjoyed it, and we hope we didn't put you to sleep. But uh, speaking of sleep, Dudley, how are you doing with the sleeping project? I'm sleeping great. This is awesome. No caffeine. So you've been two weeks without caffeine. Two weeks. Two mm. weeks. Oh, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to happen. I'll well, finish up my ninth cup of coffee. Yeah, Austin's had three cups of coffee just during this hour. <laughs> I think some of my gray hair is disappearing. Wow. I don't, I don't think so. I think you just, your glasses are tinted or something. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, uh, let's, let's. Let's get ready for next week. Lanny, why don't you go ahead with your patented close? Get us out of here, Cleve. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Gamekeeper Podcast. And be sure to tune in again. 
Subscribe to Gamekeeper Farming for Wildlife magazine and don't miss the Mossy Oak Properties Fistful of Dirt podcast with my good buddy, Ronnie Cuz Strickland.